as you said, uh, they need to cut their expenditure. Now, lots of these cuts will be to social programs, to things that people need, whether it's education, uh, whether it's funding going to hospitals and stuff like that. So um, is there a balance here mm. to be found? Or are we, should we all just tighten our belts and expect that in the coming few years, things are going to be problematic? Okay, so I, I think um, there are a number of questions in there. Let me start with um, tightening our belts. I think, yes, I, I think more than anybody, the government needs to tighten their belt. Mm -hmm. And when I'm saying tighten the belt, I'm not talking about uh, cutting social programs. I'm talking about cutting government employees, mm -hmm. right? There are too many of them. We're in a 21st century. We don't need, if you were looking at it as a business, you would cut three out of four. Yeah, but those employees uh, uh, have it's to a political. Somewhere. It's right. a political. I, I, if you really want to change Kenya, you've got to start saying to them, "We want you to find a new career. We'll give you 90 days of training, but you have to transition out of here." Because look, you you look at your experience today. Why should I even go to the passport office and stand there and have my time wasted for two hours while someone gives me a number and I don't even know how they're dealing with me? They're not even able to deal with me as a human being. It's a little power complex. This is nonsense. Right. How many of them are there? They're all walking around on their mobile phones. They're not efficient. I spend days there watching right? And this is across the board. Right. So really, we need some dramatic, drastic uh, thinking. Can we do that politically? Probably not possible. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, the level of automation that's come in into our economy, into the world economy, you cannot justify what I would call the recurrent expenditure. You've got to cut the recurrent expenditure. That will release more money for social programs, hospitals that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And essentially, our government is not efficient. In terms of tax collection, what should they be doing? They need to widen the tax net. At the moment, you have a very limited number of people and companies that are paying the tax. And these guys are being squeezed harder and harder and harder. And you can't squeeze them anymore. It's like a lemon. You keep squeezing it, nothing's going to start coming out. So what do you do? You have to look at uh, other people. You've got to look at the informal economy. You've got to look at how do you bring these people in and charge them a tax rate which they feel is fair. I mean, you start with something small. And, you, and then you get them all onto the tax uh, register. Mm -hmm. With respect to the KRA, the KRA actually has done quite a good job uh, in terms of uh, the tax collection it achieves. And year on year, although people say, oh, it missed the target, the targets set are very, very high. They're always going to miss the, those targets. That seems to me some structural budget thing that we have. Mm -hmm. But I, I think w uh, with the KRA, we've got to give them credit for that. But at the same time, we've got to now think differently. We've got to model, if we cut taxes, will more people come in the tax bracket? How do we bring the informal sector in? These are the sorts of things that we need to do. Right. Um, uh, just a quick clarification. Yeah. Uh, when you talk about people who are not paying tax, everybody ends up paying tax at some point. Mm. Um, because we all go to the shop, uh, uh, buy something that's got tax. So that's that's uh, that's uh, sort of the consumer tax side. Right, that's exactly. VAT. So, so they're yeah, putting that right. on fuel as well, uh -huh. right? Exactly. But, so yeah. we're seeing that now going up yeah. on uh, on foodstuffs. You know, things that have been zero rated uh, uh, before, which then again takes me back to the idea of uh, belt tightening. You know, mm. is 
Do you think that putting these taxes, raising these taxes on foodstuffs, on fuel, that is definitely going to drive up uh, uh, inflation and cost of living? Correct. Do you think this is a good way to go? This is necessary, or is uh, are there other options? It's quite funny that that the Robin Hood was coming in there, right? <laughs> because Robin Hood used to steal from the rich to give to the poor. And uh, in a way, the question you're asking me is, we have a reverse Robin Hood. Right. We're, we're stealing from the poor mm-hmm. to give the rich. I don't think anyone would disagree with that. Mm-hmm. And also, the other thing to bear in mind is for the average person in Kenya, most at the subsistence level, they're worse off. Right. right. They have not felt any economic upliftment because the cost of living has gone up far faster for somebody on a minimum wage. Um, uh, and, and effectively, they're, 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 uh, the income that they have left is far less. So when people f- feel less well-off, and it's a reality, they are less well-off if you mm-hmm. look at the numbers. Right. Um, and the question is, from my perspective, is how do we uplift those people and give them a better opportunity and make it work for them? And at the moment, I don't think it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, could you give... What do you think? How do we actually do that? How do we uplift them? Well, I, I think we've this is we've got to go back and look at and, and we've got to look at our cost of living and how we deal with the cost of living. And cost of living, if you look at somebody on a minimum wage, the biggest expenditure is food, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's just food and a couple of other things, but food is very, very important. And uh, you, you know, I don't have to tell you. We all watch the news, mm-hmm. and we can see that our food prices are seemingly go off the charts every so often right. and, and and that's so I think you know one I must give credit to that big four program in that one of them is food security mm-hmm. and we need it and we need to start thinking about how we're going to produce more and keep a lead on food prices mm-hmm. um just looking at it again uh, nationally and globally mm. um, I have a question on the the the, the vision 2030 mm. Um, do you still think it, uh, it is a framework that it's a useful framework to talk mm. about how the economy is is, is doing and uh, uh, the things that they are they're putting in place? Because one of the requirements for Vision 2030 was a growth, I think, about 10, uh, over 10 percent since 2010. Mm. We've never come close. Uh, the only time uh, to we that. came close to 10 percent, I think, was in 1970. Okay. Immediately after independence, 1976, because of the coffee crop failed right. in Brazil. <laughs> yeah. So and the fourth quarter of 2007, right. before the election, before the election, when we popped. Right. And uh, then the election uh-huh. came. So there had been only three times. So it was right. a very aggressive so is, call. Is, is it uh, a useful framework to think about how the economy is doing? Should we be talking about Vision 2030? So, so it's just to reverse engineer, Just, and I'll come into that. You know, mm-hmm. Look, we do need 10% GDP because population growth is there anyway. So when you talk about 45 5%, it's nothing. It's mm-hmm. really 1.5% because there are more Kenyans every year, and it's what, what the pie is having to go to more people. Right. So, that, so, so that's the first point I'd make. With Vision 2030, I think you know it, it was good for creating a roadmap into the future, right? For trying to sort of look at the economy and say to yourself, what does an economy need to get to 10%? Right. And I think those were, were uh, good uh, intellectual processes and you can see what came out. I would say it was a reasonably robust document. <laughs>